Saint Paul wanted to bring to wanted to bring to conclusion his treatment of the problem of division. And Saint Paul understands that we are divided into groups because of pride. That's why the remedy is humbleness, how to humble ourselves. And actually, if we humble ourselves, we will be able to live in unity, in oneness. What divides us is our pride. That's why he described to them how to properly estimate the apostles. How to properly estimate those who are serving us and are the servants of God. Also, we should not evaluate men by saying, because some people accusing St. Paul that he was not an apostle because he was not one of the twelve and he did not see the Lord Jesus Christ during his life on earth. So he explained to them that the ultimate evaluation and the ultimate judgment should we leave it to God, should be left to God. We should not evaluate the people or judge them. In the previous chapters, St. Paul used himself and Apollos as examples to help them to see the errors of their arrogance. When he said, who is Paul and who is Apollos? Servants of God preached you Christ and you believed through them. In this chapter, St. Paul also will use the examples of the apostles and will show the people at Corinth the humbleness of the apostles. To tell them, if you are the children of the apostles, you need to follow their footsteps. You need not to be puffed up, but to be humble. To put away your arrogance in order to be able to unite it together and to overcome this division that is happening between you. And he compared the humbleness of the apostles with the pride of the people at Corinth. And his purpose from this comparison is not to shame them, but as a father to warn them. Also he told them that he will send Timothy to remind them of what is proper. And St. Paul himself will be visit visiting them soon in order to deal with those 
are puffed up if necessary. This is actually the summary of this chapter. And let's start reading the chapter verse by verse. Verse 1. Let a man so consider us as servants of God and stewards of the mysteries of God. St. Paul is saying, I don't want you to esteem us higher than who we are. We are not the owners of the church. We are not the owners of the vineyard. But we are just servants. We are, minis we are ministers. Stewards. So he used these two descriptions. Servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. As if he is saying, if the church is like a ship in the sea of this world, the Lord Jesus Christ is the captain of the ship. He commands, and we are his servants. We only obey the orders of Christ. Servants has no right to give orders. That's why if you consider us as servants of God has no authority to give orders, then actually no parties should be formed around these servants. So he's telling them to make party of Paul and party of Peter and part of Apollos. This is wrong. This is not acceptable. Because Christ is the true leader. All of us who are servants, we just follow the direction of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you consider the church like a house, Christ is the master of the house. And we are the apostles or the, the, the priests, the clergy, are stewards in a church. So we are not the masters of the house. We are not the masters of the church. We are only stewards appointed by God. Stewards of the mysteries of God. What he means by mysteries of God? Mystery can refer to the sacraments, the seven sacraments. Because sacrament in, in, in the Greek language is mysterion. In Arabic we say tsir, mysterion. So the mysteries here, he is referring to the sacraments of the church. The clergy are the stewards of the mysteries because they administer the sacraments. Also, maybe he refers to the knowledge of God, the secrets 
of the kingdom of heaven. So the apostles and the clergy are the stewards of the mysteries of God, means they administer the sacraments and also preach and teach the revealed knowledge, not our own, but are given to us as stewards. And as stewards, we must faithfully dispense them to the household. So St. Paul is asking them to consider the apostles and to consider the clergy as servants and as stewards of God. Verse 2, Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. St. Paul is saying the most important quality required in a steward is faithfulness. And this also reminds me with what the Lord said about the steward. The Lord mentioned actually two qualities about the steward. Wisdom and faithfulness. When he said, who is the wise and faithful steward? I want you to think about it this way. If you are owner of business, and then you appointed steward, manager, to run your business, what are the most important qualities you are looking for in this manager? Number one, his faithfulness. He shouldn't steal you. He shouldn't steal the interest, the profit. And number two, the wisdom. In order to be able to make profit, if he is wise but not faithful, yes, he will run the business good, but he will steal all the profit. If he is faithful and not wise, then actually, yes, he will not steal anything from the business, but he will not be able to make any profit because he is not wise. And definitely the worst worst case if he is unwise and unfaithful. That's why we as servants of God, we must be wise and faithful. Means what? Wise to be able to make profit for the kingdom of God, to search for the lost sheep and bring them to the church, to preach the unbeliever and bring them into the household of Christ. This requires wisdom, as we read in the Old Testament. He who wins the souls is wise. But also it requires faithfulness. So I will not bring the people to me and make them my followers. Actually, I should make them the followers of Christ, the disciples of Christ. 
That's why St. Paul emphasizes the point of faithfulness here. To say if the stewards are faithful, then actually you should not call yourself as disciples or followers of the stewards. But you are the followers of Christ, not of the stewards. That's why he said, moreover, it is required in a steward that one be found faithful. Verse 3, but with me, it is very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. St. Paul is saying, some of you claim that I am a false apostle because I did not see the Lord Jesus Christ. But he said, this is a, a small thing for me. I don't care about what the people say about me. What I care about is what Christ says about me. Because people make their judgment according to the external appearance. They don't have all the data to make correct judgment. Unfortunately, many of us are disturbed by the people's opinion in us. But what really matters is how God perceives me. St. Paul said, in fact, I do not even judge myself. Means, even if I said I, I am perfect, but God sees me as not perfect, then this judgment will, will not help me at all. So, what is important for me is what God thinks of me. So the essential matter with St. Paul was not that the Corinthians should judge him a faithful steward. Even it was not important for him to be faithful in his own judgment. But what's important for him that the Lord count him as faithful steward. Verse 5, uh, verse 4. For I know of nothing against myself. This is his judgment about himself. In his own judgment, he had been a faithful steward at Corinth. That's why he said, I know of nothing against myself. My conscience does not rebuke me for any wrongdoing. Yet, I am not justified by this. Even the fact that in my own judgment I have been faithful, but this does not justify me. Why? Because I must be judged by the Lord. That's why he said, yet I am not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. That's why when we examine ourselves, 
should ask ourselves this question. What the Lord thinks of me? How the Lord would judge me? Not what I believe about myself. Many people say, in my own opinion, I believe I didn't do anything wrong. But that's your own opinion. This will not justify you. But what will justify you is the opinion of the Lord. And this principle is very important in self-examination. Don't judge yourself or don't judge yourself according to your own standards, according to your own belief system. But judge yourself according to the oracles of God, according to the word of God. That's how we will be judged. Verse 5, Therefore, judge nothing before the time. Which time? The time of judgment. He has appointed a day for recompense in which he will appear to judge the world in righteousness. As if St. Paul is saying, any judgment we are doing right now is premature judgment. We should not judge anybody before the time. If people judge Judas Iscariot and the thief, the right thief, during their life, they would say Judas is a disciple of Christ. He performed many miracles. He preached the name of Christ. He was one of the twelve. Definitely, he is a great man. But the thief, I'm sure the people will judge him as an evil person. But what happened? Judas did not enter the kingdom of God. And the thief was the first one who entered the paradise of Job. Therefore, judge nothing before the time. Which time? Until the Lord comes. The Lord is the only one who can make correct judgment. Who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. Nobody can search the hearts except God. Nobody can bring into light the things that we do in darkness except God. That's why only God can judge because he will reveal all the motives of the heart and will bring to light all the secrets of the heart. And when actually God judges us, then each one's praise will come from God. When just judgments are given, every man shall have praise from God. 
Saint Paul is telling them, do you know why you judge one another? Because of pride. Usually prideful person judges others. He doesn't see the beam in his own eye. But he tries to remove the speck from others' eye. He is so blind to his own sins, but he sees well the sins of others. If we are judging people frequently and we gossip about the people, let us examine our hearts. Maybe we are victims of pride. And that's why we need to repent and to humble ourselves. Pride will make us judge others and pride will make us divided, split, have contentions which is with each other. So when the Lord comes, each person will be judged as he deserves. As we say in the Divine Liturgy, he will give each one according to his deeds, whether good or evil. And only then can the Corinthians form a correct estimate of their religious leaders. So he's telling them, your estimate right now, your judgment right now, is wrong, it's premature. You are not the ones who will say whether I am a true apostle or a false prophet. It is God who judges. Then from verse 6, he starts to give them lessons in humility. Because as I told you, they were prideful. And because of this pride, they fell in judgment and they were divided. He told them in verse 6, Now, these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes. As if he is saying, I used my name and I used Apollos' name to illustrate lessons that I wished to emphasize. I told you that who is Paul and who is Apollos? They are just servants of God, stewards. So do not form parties around Paul or Apollos. Do not think highly because you are the followers of Paul or disciples of Paul and you look down on others because they are the disciples of Apollos. Don't look down on each other or don't think highly of yourself because you are a disciple of this person or uh, follow that leader. Because the true leader for us is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what's written. What he means, 
not to think beyond what's written. What's written where? What's written in the scripture? The scripture teaches us not to judge one another. The scripture teaches us we should not exalt one person while pulling down another person. The scripture teaches us not to be split because of people. I am a follower of Paul and you are a follower of Apollos. We cannot be puffed up for one against another. That none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against other. Because this was the, the case in Corinth. The people who followed, for example, Peter, they felt better than the people who followed Paul. Because Peter was one of the twelve, but Paul did not see Christ. So he told them, None of you must be puffed up on behalf of one against the other. And then he, he showed them a good way to overcome pride. In verse 7 he told them, For who makes you differ from another? He told them, is it because St. Peter taught you, then you are better than those who are taught by St. Paul? Who makes you differ from another? It is wrong for you to think of yourself as different from others because you are taught by someone. And what do you have that you did not receive? The people at Corinth received many spiritual gifts, as he explained later on in chapter 12, 13, and 14. And they were bragging because some of them were speaking in tongues, some have the gift of miracles, gifts of healing. So he's telling them, do you think that because you received these gifts, you are better than others who did not receive? But the fact that you received these gifts means these gifts are not yours. And we call them gifts because they were given freely to you. You did not earn them. So if they are given freely to you and you did not earn them, also you did not own them, then why you are bragging over these gifts? What do you have that you did not receive? Tell me, what are your gifts that you did not receive from God? Do you have any gift that you did not receive from God? No, then what you are why you are bragging? Now, if you did indeed receive it, 
Why do you boast as if you had not received it? If you received these gifts, why you are boasting as if these gifts are yours? As if these gifts you did not receive from God? If you have nothing and I give you $1,000, you don't earn it. I give it to you because of my goodness. Can you brag over this? Can you boast over this? So if God give us these gifts, not because we are worthy, but because of his goodness, how can we brag over what we received? Not because of our worthiness, but because of his goodness. So St. Paul actually is teaching them how to be humble. So he told them, it is wrong for you to think of yourself as different or better than others. And also, if you consider that you have something more than other men have, yet you only have it as a gift from God. Not because you are worthy, but because God is good. That's why a wise man should not brag of another goodness. I should not brag because God who is good gave me some gifts. I should not brag over this or boast of this. In other ways, if we examine ourselves clearly, there is nothing in us that's worthy of praise since all what we have is of God. That is the grace of God. Nothing in us that's worthy of praise. Because all what we have is gift of God. Verse 8. From verse 8, St. Paul started to rebuke them. And he used sarcasm and irony to show them their foolishness. He told them, starting from verse 8, you are already full. You believe because of these gifts that you are rich. And you are full. So, although you received all these gifts and these graces, but you boast as if you had it of yourselves. You are already full. You are already rich. You have reigned as kings without us. Without us means away from us because the apostle did not have this pride. Actually, the apostle, they felt poor and they were persecuted. Felt poor because they, they realized that there is nothing good in them. As St. Paul said, I am who I am 
I am nothing, but it is the grace of God that's working in me. I am nothing in myself. I am nothing. It is the grace of God that works in me. But you, without us, away from our way, away from our example, you feel that you are full, that you are rich, and actually you behave as if you reigned as kings. You act as if and behave as if you are kings. And indeed, I could wish you did reign, that we also might reign with you. St. Paul is telling them, if you were exalted as kings, then actually the apostles who preached them should be kings also. So he's telling them, I could wish that you did train. I, I could wish that you are really kings. Because if you are really kings, then we also might train with you. We also become kings with you because we are the one who preached you Christ. How can you claim that you are kings while your teachers still suffer persecution, suffer poverty, they are beaten for the name of Christ. So the apostles were in the suffering period, but you claim that you got into the reigning period. So from verse 9, he starts to show them how the apostles are living their life the state of the apostles is given to them to tell them who are not kings so if we the apostles are not kings then you are deceiving yourselves when you say we are rich we are full and we reign as kings verse 9 for i think that god has displayed us, the apostles, last as men condemned to death. Corinth in Greece. So actually St. Paul is drawing a figure from the Roman amphitheater. Usually in the Roman uh, amphitheater near the close of games the Romans used to bring forth the people who are doomed to die and then they let them fight with one another or fight with wild beasts until they die and the people watch this because these people are condemned to death so they can kill one another and people watch this to entertain the people so St. Paul is taking this figure or this analogy and he's saying I think that God 
has displayed us the apostles last as men condemned to death. As if God is bringing us to the stage in order to be killed and you watch us while we are persecuted and killed. Because we are appointed to be martyrs. We are appointed to be killed for the name of Christ. That's why he said, For we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to the angels and to men. So the apostles were doomed to reproach, suffering, and to death. The angels in heaven are seeing them while they were persecuted, while they were suffering and dying. And also men is watching them. So St. Paul is saying, how come you believe that you are kings and your preachers, the apostles, are actually uh, became spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. Verse 10, we are fools for Christ's sake. For the sake of Christ, we choose a path of sorrow that made the world call us fools when they deny the riches of the world, when they accept death martyrdom for the name of Christ when they, they, they deny the vain glory of the world the world does not understand this and the world actually consider them as fools so we are fools for Christ's sake but you are wise in Christ but you think that you are wise in Christ and actually you have found means to make the world think that you are wise. We are weak. We are weak because of the infirmities, because of sufferings. But you believe that you are strong because you do not suffer like the apostles. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. We are despised and dishonored. Because we do not use the philosophy of the world, but you are distinguished and you are so honorable because you are using the wisdom of Greece, the world wisdom. As you know, all the Greek philosophers like Plato, Aristotle, they were bragging that they know this wisdom and they know this philosophy. So he is comparing their humbleness with their pride. To present hour until now, verse 11, we both hunger and thirst. We are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. All through our ministry, we suffer want for the needs of life. We are often in need of food, drink, clothing. We are beaten and like our master, the Lord Jesus Christ, 
We have no place to lay down our head. We verse 12, and we labor, working with all our own hands. We support our ministry by our own hands in order not to make burden on anybody, not to be burden on anybody. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure. So actually we return good for evil. We don't return reviling persecution or defamation. But actually, instead, we bless. When we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. Verse 13, being defamed. When we are dishonored, we entreat. We entreat God for those who defame us. As St. Stephen entreated God for those who were killing him. We have been made as the filth of the world, the offscoring of all things until now. We are accounted by the world as utterly worthless. That's who we are. But you, instead, believe and claim that you are full, you are rich, and behave as kings because of your pride. After he rebuked them and he taught them how to be humble, how to accept suffering for Christ instead of fighting with one another, instead of making parties and divisions, then actually, lest his words were so harsh on them, then he tried to tell them that even if I used sarcasm or irony, it is because I am your father. I'm doing this out of the fatherly love. I'm doing this for your repentance. That's why in verse 14 he told them, I do not write these things to shame you. I don't contrast your pride and your glorying with our humiliation to shame you. But as my beloved children, I warn you. You are my beloved children and my beloved sons and daughters. That's why it is my responsibility as a father to warn you, to warn you from this sin that causing you to judge one another and also to be divided. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, Yet, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. So, after he told them, I warn you as children, as my beloved children, 
he wants to explain to them why he calls himself as their father. Maybe you have many instructors, many tutors, who train you and teach you. But remember, you don't have many fathers. Who are the fathers? The fathers are those who brought us in Christ. So St. Paul actually preached Corinth, preached Christ to the Corinthians. So as if he had begotten them by preaching the gospel. So St. Paul actually was their father because he had begotten them through the gospel, converted them from paganism to Christianity. And by the way, because many non-Orthodox say we should not use the word father to call our clergy or our priests, and using wrong interpretation of the verse that the Lord Jesus Christ said, do not call anybody father because you have one father in heaven. If this is true, that we should not call anyone father, then St. Paul should not call himself father to them. When the Lord said, do not call anyone father, he was speaking to the apostles. He told them, do not follow the teaching of any Jewish uh, uh, leader. Because you have only one father. The apostles have only one father, that Jesus Christ. They are not the children of Jewish leaders. But the apostles became fathers to us. So in truth, we call St. Mark our father because he preached Christ to us and he is our father. Nothing wrong to call St. Mark our father. As St. Paul said, I have begotten you through the gospel. In the same way St. Mark had begotten us through the gospel, he converted us from paganism to Christianity. Nothing wrong to call our priests and our clergy father. So St. Paul is saying then, if you are my children and I am your father because I am the one who preached Christ to you, children look like their father. So you need to imitate me in my lowliness, in my humbleness, in my self-denial. That's why in verse 16 he told them, Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. Put away your pride and imitate our humbleness, our self-denial. Because children should seek to be like the parent, not like the instructors or the tutor. So, I am your father, you are my children, imitate me, follow me. 
And in order to show them his fatherly love, he told them, for this reason, I have sent Timothy to you. Timothy is also my son, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord. Do you remember when he he spoke about the steward and he said it's very important for the steward to be faithful? That's why he said, Timothy is a faithful son and beloved son. Why I'm sending Timothy to you? To remind you of my ways in Christ. To remind you of my life, my conduct, my teaching, my suffering, my reproaches, my humbleness. As I teach everywhere in every church. So you can better follow me. Maybe you forgot my teaching. Maybe you forgot my behavior. That's why I'm sending you my son Timothy to help you to put away your pride and to follow the example of the apostles, their humbleness and their self-denial. Verse 18. Now, some are puffed up as though I were not coming to you. Some people actually, who are prideful at Corinth, said, because Paul will send Timothy, then he is not coming. And because he is not coming, This actually encouraged them to continue in their pride. They did not repent. That's why St. Paul said, No, I will come to examine those who are puffed up. Verse 19, But I will come to you shortly. If the Lord dwells according to the will of God, I will come. And I will know not the word of those who are puffed up but the power if it is the will of god i will come soon to you and put to test those who are puffed up to show them and to confront them about their words to see whether their words have any power of god or they are just vain, empty words. So here St. Paul actually is showing them his fatherly and apostolic authority. Now he's speaking with authority. When he goes to Corinth, he will will know not the big empty speech of these vain boasters, but how much of power of God present with them? Do they have the power of God in their life? Is the power of the Spirit manifested in their life? Or just vain words? They are using the, the, the wisdom of speech. For the king, verse 20, verse 20, for the kingdom of God is not in word but in power. 
How can we preach the kingdom of God? Not by the words of philosophy or words of the worldly wisdom, but we preach the kingdom of God in the power of God, in the power of spirit. So, if I have the power of spirit in me, then actually I'm the kingdom of God. But if I'm just saying words and have no the power, I don't have the power of spirit in me, then I'm not belonging to his kingdom. And he concluded this passage about division by saying, what do you want? Shall I come to you with erect or in love and a spirit of gentleness? As if he is saying, it is your choice. If you continue to be prideful, puffed up, then maybe I need to come with Irad to rebuke and to exert my apostolic authority. But if you humbled your heart and you denied yourself and reconciled with one another as one body of Christ, then I will come to you in a spirit of gentleness and spirit of love. So as if he is telling them, it's your choice. It's your choice whether I come to you with Irad or in love and spirit of gentleness. So in this chapter, St. Paul actually treated the root of division. He told them the root of division and split and contention is pride. And you need to humble yourself. When you humble yourself, you will be united together. You will not judge one another. And actually, you will live in peace with one another. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. Do you have any comments or questions about this chapter? Okay, I think Abuna would have some questions for you.
به خریستوس بنوتی او کینگ اف پیس گرانت اس یور پیس استابلش فراس یور پیس اند فورگیو اس اور سنز فور یور زی پاور گلوری بلسینگ اند ماجستی فور ایور ایمن او لورد میک اس ورثی تو پری تھنکفلی اور فادر هو ارت ان ہیون ہالوت بی دی نیم دی کینگدم کم دی ول بی دن اون ارت اس تیز ان ہیون گیو اس دی ار دی لبرد اند فورگیو اس ار ٹرسپاسز as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Christ Jesus our Lord, for them the kingdom, the power and glory forever. Amen. Now, love of God the Father, the grace of his only begotten Son, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, come here and gift of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace, may the peace.